0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is episode 26 of season two of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Uh, As uh, we usually do on this fine basketball podcast, we'll talk about that was the week that was. Grizzlies wrapping up a three-game road trip on Saturday afternoon in the Magic Kingdom, taking on the Orlando Magic in a building where the Grizzlies had not won in their last six visits. We'll also get some PD's points as we approach the trade deadline, and we welcome back a friend of the program, Rob Fisher, who has been in health and safety protocols. We hope to have him back for the Tuesday night tilt against the Los Angeles Clippers, or as Fish likes to call them, them. Rob Fisher, not a big Clippers fan, uh, the, the hatred or the dislike is not as strong as it used to be because Blake Griffin and Lob City no longer residing in Crypto.com arena. So it's a slightly, you no, know, it's a very different Clipper team than the one the Grizzlies used to face in the playoffs. But, uh, but still, Fish likes to call the Clippers them. More on that in a moment, but first of all, we tell you that today's show is being brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. You know they're a great character and sports building club. Uh, They do a great job with young men, uh, helping them be great not only playing basketball, but also being great in the community. And right now, the big news is the Jack Jones Spring League is... uh, In registration mode, registration for the 2022 Jack Jones Spring League will end on Wednesday, February 23rd. Uh, It's a it's a spring league for grades first through eighth. They'll play from March 2nd to May 19th. There'll be 10 games. There will also be a tournament game days are Wednesday and Thursday and games will be played at Memphis University School, Christian Brothers High School, First Assembly Christian School and other Memphis area gyms. So if you've got a team, you can go ahead and sign them up. If you are looking for individual placements, you can do that as well uh, for all the information. And there is a ton of information, uh, far more than uh, than I can share with you in the few moments we have here. Go to HoopCityBC.com, and they have got all the information on the Jack Jones Spring League and uh, other opportunities for your young boy to play the game of basketball in a very, very, good setting and a well-run basketball club so we thank Hoop City Basketball Club for their continued support of the program and uh, we would urge you if you have a if you have a son who is interested in playing hoop Hoop City Basketball Club is definitely the place to be all right let's get underway with that was the week that was Grizzlies wrapping up a three-game road trip after two days off, which is like gold in the NBA these days. Grizzlies, after their win at Madison Square Garden, they stayed over in New York and then flew to Orlando on Thursday afternoon, which allowed those of us who were not involved in practice on Friday to play golf, Brevin Knight, or go to uh, one of the, uh, or more of the Disney theme parks, which was pretty much the rest of us. Grizzlies, however, realize that going into Orlando, this is, now this this is an Orlando team that has the worst record in the league. They're the worst home record in the league, but yet they've beaten good teams. They've beaten Brooklyn. They've beaten Charlotte. They've beaten Utah. They've beaten Chicago. This is, This is an Orlando team. that They don't win many games, but when they win games, they win them against good teams, it seems. And the Grizzlies, of course, last year uh, had a 20-point lead against the Magic in Orlando and uh, let it get away, and Cole Anthony hit essentially a walk-off three-pointer to win the game. Ball went through with one-tenth of a second remaining, which for all intents and purposes, I call that a walk-off. So the Grizzlies remembered that. This was a game that, well, look, You've probably seen the highlights. You've seen the three-on-one, Ja going behind his back, two Zaire Williams, two DeAnthony Melton for the slam. Grizzlies did look like Lob City, put up 135 points. And again, their pace and their efficiency is amazing. 105 shots they got up and only turned it over eight times. 33 assists to just eight turnovers. Look, I know Orlando's not a really good basketball team. I get that. But still, this is a measure of the evolution of this Grizzlies basketball team because they can go into a building where there are a certain number of, of distractions. Uh, you know, a lot of people from Memphis came down to Orlando. There were a lot of Grizzlies fans there. Uh, I don't know if, if players had family there or, or what have you. Have You have extra time off. You're in a resort setting uh, where the team was staying. Uh, and and you have an early start on a Saturday. It, it's just an odd combination of circumstances. And the Grizzlies did what they had to do. They went out. They got out to a 13-point lead after one quarter. And they built on that lead each of the next three quarters. The Orlando Magic outscored the Grizzlies in the fourth by seven, but by then it really didn't matter. Grizzlies led Baszler is 31 in this game. What's notable about this game, John Morant was a game high plus 22 and only played three quarters of this game. And after shooting basically 33% in New York, shot 67% in Orlando. Seven assists, a couple of blocks. Five uh, uh, rebounds as well. So another 35-5 and five game for John Morant. Again, didn't need to play the fourth quarter because the Grizzlies were so far ahead. Morant, for the second time this season, double-figure scoring in each of the first three quarters. Also did it at Denver as well. And, of course, the Grizzlies won that game. Orlando has pieces. And Brevin and I have talked about this. They do have pieces. Franz Wagner has been very, very good, 15 points in this particular game. Wendell Carter with a double, double 12 and 10. Cole Anthony with 22, really coming on after a a so-so first quarter. 22, six boards, five assists. They have pieces. Jalen Suggs has had moments, had 17 in the game. Um... You know, Gary Harris is a veteran that you'd, you'd like to get a little bit more out of. Terrence Ross, the human torch, uh, did not shoot it well. They've got a lot of guys who were injured. I mean, you know, look, you got Michael Carter-Williams, who, a former rookie of the year, and yes, underperformed for the vast majority of his career, but still potentially a valuable veteran. Markel Fultz, he's out. R.J. Hampton, out. Jonathan Isaac, who I think is a very good young big And Etwan Moore, another veteran that could really help this team. So Orlando, very, very shorthanded. Doesn't matter. Grizzlies did not play down to the level of the competition. They went out. They dominated. They had fun. They played their brand of basketball. While Orlando, really, you know, I have great respect for Jamal Mosley. Fantastic assistant coach with the Dallas Mavericks. But they just started to chuck and duck in that first quarter. And Almost everything, more than half their shots in the first quarter, I believe, were threes. That is not how Orlando needs to make its way. You've got a front line. It's a decent young front line. Wagner, Carter, Mobamba It's not a bad three to put up there. And yet they were casting threes. Now, they did make 17 for the game on 48 shots. but So, again, for the game, more than half their shots were from three. This is not a three accurate team it is not a three volume team either and they they tried to play that game did not want to challenge the Grizzlies only 34 paint points for the Orlando Magic and they shot 50% when they got in the paint but only 34 uh, paint points for the Orlando Magic so the Grizzlies get the win And uh, they get another break with a couple of days of rest before a drop-in home game against the Los Angeles Clippers. So that is, that was the week that was. All right, before we bring Fish in, let's get some Petey's points and a good conversation with Rob Fisher uh, as he remains in health and safety protocols, but hopefully we'll have him back on Tuesday for the Clipper game. Uh, Number one, I mentioned it at the top of, top of the show, uh, the, the trade deadline is coming up and the Clippers already made a deal to get Norman Powell and Robert Covington from the Portland Trailblazers. It appears that the Portland Trailblazers uh, might be on the road to being broken up, that they realize that this season is is a wash. What can you get for CJ McCollum? Can you move him? Can you get value for him? Uh, Damian Lillard missing significant time with an abdominal injury, undergoing surgery, So the question naturally falls to the Memphis Grizzlies. What are you going to do? Or do you do anything at all? Brevin and I had this conversation, and and it was on an earlier episode of this podcast, where, where we did talk about what do you do? Because you do have expiring contracts. You have Tyus Jones in a contract year. You have Kyle Anderson in a contract year. What do you do? Do you play this season out as it is with this group, or do you try to trade some assets that might would be expiring contracts and see how you can improve your team? I am not a capologist. Uh, that, that's not my area of expertise. What I'm more concerned about is what is the ceiling for this group of Memphis Grizzlies? The last time there was a team that was this successful to this point in the season, they beat Portland in five games. If Mike Conley's face doesn't get broken, if Tony Allen's hamstring doesn't fall apart, do the Grizzlies take out the Golden State Warriors? How far do they go? Did they end up in the Western Conference Finals? Is the Grizzlies sealing the Western Conference Finals? I, I think it is. I think if you get the matchups that are favorable to you, This is a team, and if you are healthy, I think this is a team that could go to the Western Conference Finals. So once you get to the Conference Finals, who knows? I mean, you don't know who's going to make it through. Uh, This is a team that has beaten Utah twice. This is a team that has beaten Phoenix. This is a team that has gone on the road and beaten Golden State. Certainly, they respect everybody in the West, but they don't fear anybody. They have gone into Phoenix and won. They have gone into Utah and won. They have gone into Golden State and won you know, so the, the possibilities are there with this group, which hasn't been fully healthy, really. I, I would have to look and see. I don't know that this group has ever had everybody available on the same night. Maybe, maybe for a few games, but not for very much because Dylan Brooks has been out for so long. John Moran had the, the 12 game absence with the knee and all the health and safety protocols going back and forth. As a fan and keeping all the contractual situations out of it I would love to see the Grizzlies keep this group together I am dying to know when you get Dylan Brooks back and assuming you can have this group healthy for the rest of the season how far can this team go because clearly in the regular season even when they have not been at full strength they have been outstanding they have surpassed everybody's and I mean everybody's expectation for performance this season There is nobody, there is nobody before this season thought this team was going to be a top four team in the West. The hope was you could be in the top six, avoid the play-in tournament so that you wouldn't have to deal with that, are we, aren't we going to be in? You would know solidly in one through six you're in and you don't have to worry about the play-in tournament and not incidentally, If you don't have to worry about the play-in tournament, you also don't have to worry about playing extra games, extra wear and tear. And for the six teams that are not in the play-in tournament but are in the playoffs, you get extra rest. Which, after a long 82-game season, extra rest is huge, I think. So, long-winded way of saying I know that there are business decisions that have to be made, contractual decisions that have to be made. I would really love to see this team stay together because of not only the success this team has had, but also the camaraderie that this team has. I think those are two major reasons why I'd like to see this team kept together. You don't know what you don't know what offers are out there. You know the Ben Simmons thing is is floating around all over the NBA. Uh, obviously C.J. McCollum could be available for the right price as well. Are there other pieces that are in play? It appears Indiana could be broken up now. That would be intriguing because they've got pieces, but it just has not come together in Indiana. So it it remains to be seen what happens with this. Like I said, I, I really, from a personal perspective, I would like to see this team stay together through this season. Deal with the expirings at the end of the season. Because right now this team is in such a good groove and in such a good headspace with each other and with their quality of play on the floor. I, I I would hate to see it broken up. And I would also hate to see if you if you were to break it up and things don't go right, then you have the regret of what might have been had we kept this group together. So uh, that that that's my that's that's my take on on the trade deadline. Uh Petey's point number two, and this cuts in a lot of ways, and we'll touch on this with Rob Fisher as well. You hear Taylor Jenkins talk about care factor, talks about it when you ask him about a certain player, you know, what makes this player really, really good. He says, well, he has a high care factor. It's one of the buzz phrases that Taylor uses that is really important and a keystone of the Grizzlies' culture. Do you really care? about this organization? Do you care about being great? Do you care about your team's performance? Do you care about your teammate? And we see that from these guys. Uh, This is a very tightly knit group. And again, Fish and I will get into this a little bit. When you talk about the core four, those were four very different individuals coming from four very different backgrounds. And yet somehow they made it work. And in my conversations with Mike Conley, um, you know, when he was coming back to Memphis for the first time with the Utah Jazz, I, I asked him that question. I said, "Yeah, how did this work?" And he's like, "I, I don't know. It just did uh, because you know you have Mike Conley, who is the son of an Olympic athlete. You have Tony Allen, who you know, who grew up in the mean streets of Chicago. You had Zach Randolph, who grew up in a single parent family in in Marion, Indiana, and then you got Marcus Saul, who grew up as the parent, uh, as the son of." Uh, a couple of medical professionals and, and essentially an, into a family of privilege uh, in Spain. So, you know, different socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, different origin stories. And somehow those four made it work. The group that the Grizzlies have now, it's a group that is very homogenous, particularly in terms of their age. There are lots of young guys here. Uh, you know, the one kind of outlier is, is Steven Adams, who's been around a little bit longer than everybody else and, and, and a New Zealander. Um, but I mean, by and large, you know, you look at Ja and Jaron and Dez and D'Anthony De and Tyus, and these are all guys that are, you know, pretty much the same age, same experience level. And that at one point I thought was going to be a negative, but it has turned out to be a positive. The other thing about the care factor and again, Rob and I will talk about this, is that the care factor is not just coaches, players. It is everywhere in this organization. I've never had the open lines of dialogue with the general manager the way that I've had with Zach Kleiman, that I can talk to him before a game, and we'll chat, and I can get information on background that helps us best present the Grizzlies. I can ask Taylor questions off mic, and get answers. But it goes beyond that. It, it goes to the point where. This is a coaching staff that cares about. Who we are. In broadcast. Which trust me this does not happen. In every situation. Going to Orlando's arena. On the bus. One of the assistant coaches turns to me and says. Hey how's Fish doing? When my mother was in the hospital two years ago. And eventually passed away. Taylor Jenkins was making sure that he was updated every day on how my mother was doing. That doesn't happen with every head coach. It doesn't happen with every front office that you have this type of care factor that permeates the entire team. It gets back to something that Brevin and I have talked about often on the air, and that is good organizations win. Bad organizations lose on a continuous basis. Basis. Remember when the Chicago Bulls were so successful, and Jerry Krause, the general manager, said, "Players don't win championships; organizations win championships." And everybody laughed at him and said, "Well, that's just Jerry Krause. He wants, you know, he wants his credit for putting this team together. It's really Michael's team. It's Michael and Scotty and Phil, and that's why we won the championships. It's not because of anything else." The longer I'm in the league, the more I realize how right Jerry Krause really was. Yes, they had Michael Jordan. Get that. They they had Phil Jackson, Hall of Fame coach. Get that. Had Scottie Pippen, phenomenal player. Had other great players around them. But when you look at teams in the NBA and you look at the teams that are perennially successful, San Antonio, Golden State now, since Steve Kerr has been there uh, and, and the new ownership has taken over, You look at teams that are perennially successful, and it is because the organization is very good top to bottom, not just basketball operations, but really throughout the organization. You take a look at a team like the Sacramento Kings, perennial losers. That's not a good organization. I mean, it's an organization where the general manager during a game accosts the timer because the general manager thinks that the the timing of a jump ball was incorrect, the guy running the clock was correct, and you got a general manager who's going to walk courtside in during a game and 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 interfere. It, it you know those are the types of things that just make you crazy, because it's been a rotating door of coaches. Um, you know, and, and, and things haven't gone right in Sacramento. And you have a, a very passionate fan base in Sacramento that is just like, please, you know, Vivek, sell the team. Please do something. We we need something here in Sacramento. And I would say to you that those organizations aren't very good. That's why they lose all the time. When you have a good organization that has a high care factor, that has a high content of character throughout the organization, uh, a, a an organization that has a vision for where they want to be and how to get there. Everybody will have the vision. We want to win a championship. Well, yeah, of course, everybody wants to win a championship. I get that. But you have to figure out how you want to get there and how do you get there. And it's not simply by assembling a lot of talent. There are other factors involved. And I think the care factor is a very, very big part of that because the Grizzlies have that because they have it throughout their organization, I think that's a reason why this Grizzlies team, above and beyond the talent of the players on the floor, and Ja Morant is a generational talent, period, end of story, but even over and above the talent of Jaron and Ja and Dez and Melt and Zaire Williams and, and the rest of this group, the reason that this Grizzlies franchise has a chance to be successful long-term is because of their culture, because of their identity, because of their care factor. And that all comes back to Taylor Jenkins, who should be a leading candidate for coach of the year. Interesting. His main competition may be J.B. Bickerstaff in Cleveland. So uh, kind of ironic the way that works out. But so there you go. There are your PD's points for today. Now, before we get to Rob Fisher want to tell you that uh, the moment we have been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds for either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can get you can bet from almost a third of the country. Now, if Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings' daily fantasy football contest For Super Bowl 56, new customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code TBPN. Get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Voidware prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call Text the Tennessee Red Line 1 800 889 9789. In Connecticut, call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org/slash chat. In New York, call 1 877 H H O P E N Y or text Hope, New York. That's 467 369. All right, we talked about it. Rob Fisher has been in health and safety protocols. He missed this last road trip, and I feel very badly for him because it was a great road trip. Philly with cheesesteaks and pretzels. Uh, New York, it's New York, and Orlando, a trip to the Magic Kingdom. Unfortunately, he missed out on the trip, but thankfully we were able to uh, bring him in via Skype for the pregame show and uh, hopefully on Tuesday night when the Grizzlies host of the Los Angeles Clippers we will have him at full go on our telecast on Bally Sports Southeast. Here's our friend of the program Rob Fisher. Fish obviously most importantly uh, your health in health and safety protocols. Uh, hope to have you back Tuesday. Uh, what's the latest?
1: feel fine. Uh, I've been asymptomatic the entire time. Uh, as you know, and without getting into details, because I really don't know the details, you, you take a test and and there are these numbers and you got to meet these numbers. And I haven't met the numbers yet, but I feel fine. Um, and yeah, I, I, I hope to be back Tuesday. It's just a matter of these numbers and being able to get a, get a good test result. So it's, uh, it, it's frustrating. I know you went through it and Brevin went through it. And, uh, and I know how frustrated you guys got because, you know, I feel fine and have felt fine the entire time. And so it's uh and it's a bummer, man, when the team's playing like this and, and being able to watch it on television, love watching you and Brevin love watching you guys. <laughs> um, but I'd rather be hearing you guys in my ears and, uh, and, and working with you guys and being there because it, it's, it's so much fun, and and as you know, I mean, being back on this road trip for you guys, and uh, and missing that, uh, you know that that's when it's fun. Winning on the road is fun. You can see that in the walk-off interviews. You can see it. You can hear it with you guys. I mean, it's it, it's so much fun, and to not to not be there, it's just uh, yeah, bums you out. And uh, so, I, yeah, I want to get back uh, as soon as possible for sure.
0: But definitely, you were remembered. Walt Clyde <laughs> Frazier walked over where's fish? And yeah, he said, that's pretty neat. And he said, look, I wore this suit. I knew I had, to, and, and I mean, it was amazing as per usual, but he said, I had to wear this. I knew fish was going to be here. So I had to do this. And, and, and the coaching staff asking me on the team bus yesterday in Orlando, you know, how's fish doing? So uh, it really does speak to the whole family feeling. Well,
1: but- you know, and, and I want to mention this Pete, because you said that and, and knowing we were going to talk today, I wanted, I wanted to mention that, that we talk about it all the time uh, about the family atmosphere and and people always ask me, you know, what's unique about the Memphis Grizzlies organization. And, and I'll tell them that it's, it's like that from the top to the bottom. Um, you know, Zach Kleiman doesn't walk by people without saying hello. Um, and, and, you know, especially if if you work in the organization and whatever role you have, you, you, it's, it feels like family from top to bottom. And, you know coach darko reached out to me on on facebook uh coach Sonia, she was talking yesterday with jason wallace and, and and asking how i was doing and then i got a text from taylor jenkins which i mean that that's makes you miss it even more because you know it, it's not just us and it's not just the three of us it's the people behind the scenes that work with us in television but it's also the team and and it's also that staff and you know, to, to feel that sort of love from everybody and, and concern from everybody. It's, 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 it's heartwarming and it, it makes you really happy to be a, a part, a small part of this organization at, at what is su- right now is such a great time. And, uh and it makes you miss it when you're away. So yeah, yeah. I I, I want to get back as soon as possible.
0: Well, we we want to have you back as quickly as possible. And, and we do recognize it and we do cherish it. And, when I was in New York, part of the Nick game, I had lunch with my agent, which is, is just fun to say anyway. But <laughs> he, you know, because he works with other broadcasters, with other teams, and other organizations and other leagues, and and I explained to him what we have with the Grizzlies, and he said, definitely enjoy it because you are not necessarily in the majority of of team broadcasters where you have that type of of connection. And and Taylor Jenkins talks about care factor all the time. And I think the way that the coaching staff has treated us, the way basketball operations has treated us, that climate has treated us, that does speak to a care factor and a culture that you don't find in other organizations. I mean, it may extend within basketball operations, but that it extends to team broadcast and other areas of the organization is really, really unique. And another thing that's very unique yeah. is, is Brevin Knight doing walk-off interviews. I mean, you, yes. you have mastered the walk-off interview, so I, I would like a critique of, of Brevin Knight's style of doing these walk-off interviews because he got to do two on the road trip.
1: Yeah, I, I've, been, I've been jealous. I think Brevin's done a fantastic job. Um, the thing that I've loved about, uh, first of all, he got to do Zaire, Stanford guy. I mean, how how much fun did he have doing that in New York at Madison uh, and, and Square Garden of yeah, all places? Absolutely. And then Ja kind of uh, chiming in on that one too. That was fun. Uh, and then the Jaren and Ja together, that was fun. Uh, uh, so yeah, Brevin, Brevin's done a great job and he's got those guys opening up and everything. And it was, uh, it was really cool to watch. And uh, I texted Brevin and I told him, man, you know, we only do the walk-off interview when we win. So to say it's, it's, it's really cool when you're winning games, you know, it makes it easier, but you do it every time we win. But man, the way that they're winning right now, the way that the team's playing, the fun that they're having, the swag that they're playing with, all of those things make the walk off interview fun. And and Brevin's had two fun ones in a row. And that was that was cool to watch.
0: Well, it was cool to watch because, you know, for to take people behind the scenes, we have conversations off the air with our with our production staff. You know, who are we going to get for the walk-off? You could get Ja every night for the walk-off right. if you really, really wanted to. And so we were having this conversation in the fourth quarter. It's like, well, you know, Ja obviously had a fantastic game, 33 points through three quarters. But you know, we don't want to keep asking for Jaw all the time because he may get to a point where he doesn't want to do it. So we asked for Jaren, and Jaren says, No, no, I'm doing it with Ja. Which again <laughs> speaks to how unique this group is that yeah. they 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 want to be together they play together and we had any number of combination and permutations of uh a sister to lob finishers in orlando how crazy was it to to just watch it in real time and yeah. you know watching it on tv i mean we, we saw it obviously firsthand but what was it like watching the uh watching that unfold in orlando which was really spectacular
1: Yeah. And and, I mean, seeing, seeing those, those moments and, and even in New York when, with Ja, well, Zaire first talking about Ja, you know, having his back and the whole team having his back after the miss in Philadelphia and, and how it really got him fired up for the game. And then Ja coming in and talking about it. I mean, just the, the, and then the Desmond Bain thing with Julius Randle. I mean, all of those things. Plus, yeah, those walk off interviews I thought were significant too, because it, it just shows the camaraderie this team has. And, you know, I, to me, there aren't many comparisons with this group to the grit and grind group, uh, you know, but I think one comparison was that group with, in their success, there wasn't a bad guy in the locker room. And if there was a guy that was in the locker room that maybe wasn't on the same page, he was gone And, and, and he'd be gone rather quickly. And there weren't many of those, but there were a couple of instances, this group is is like that. This group gets along. There's not a bad dude. There, there's not a guy. I mean, how much does Stephen Adams have in common with a lot of these guys? Not much. I, I think he's. <laughs> I think. I think. I think he's the only current
0: Grizzly that owns his own dairy
1: farm. But right. So, but but look at look at the way he interacts with them. I mean, it's it's. So it goes from it goes from Steven Adams and and Kyle Anderson, the veterans on this team, down to the youngest guys on the team. And and I think a lot of that has to do with your leader. Your leader is John Moran. I was thinking about that yesterday, Pete, not not to get too long winded on this, but I I thought about it yesterday with Ja. I I think one of the big moments that I've recognized in Jaw's career that I think was a turning point was when they traded Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill. Because those two were leaders, and they were the veteran leaders. And, I, you know, I think a lot of people believe when they got rid of them, it hurt. It hurt that you lost that veteran leadership. But what it did was it turned all of the leadership onto John ja Morant. Jaw was taking a role as a leader among Jay and Solomon and, and was more vocal than you'd even expect a guy his age being a rookie to be. So it was impressive. But when they left, how he became the leader of this group and to see that leadership grow throughout his career now over the last couple of years, you know, Taylor Jenkins says it all the time that, that that's the biggest growth he's seen and the biggest leap he's made is in his leadership. And I, I think there's, there's nothing that's, that's more accurate than that. And, you know, this group, believes in him and and they they follow him and you know he's a young guy so even the old guys I think feel feel young with this group and how couldn't you with the fun that they're having
0: yeah they're having a a tremendous amount of fun and and that was one of the questions and one of the things that Brevin and I we we talked about it you get rid of Jay Crowder you get rid of Solomon Hill and you don't have any OGs in the locker room which you know you had with, with Vince Carter a little bit back in the day Right. And there was concern about okay, well, who really is going to lead this team? Who is going to be that that exemplar that has been to the playoffs? And the Grizzlies really don't have that. And when you look at what the Grizzlies are doing right now and understanding that according to Sport Radar, it is the second youngest roster in the NBA by average age, you just, you you're like what? Yeah. But ja, but is a great leader. And Ja admitted, you know, during his rookie season, I did not want to be too terribly vocal because I'm a rookie. I'm trying to learn my place, which, which I think was a, a good way of doing it. But guys want to play with Ja because he will take some spotlight. He will share the spotlight, and he will share the basketball, and he will give credit. So he's a very gifted leader. But the other thing, too, is you also have guys that are willing to, and you just pointed this out, you have guys that are willing to follow Yes. You know, if you, if you have too many guys who think they're the leader um, and, and we heard this with, with Spencer Dinwiddie, when, when he was asked about his leadership role with the Washington wizards after the Washington game in Memphis. And he said, well, I spoke up and it wasn't welcomed." <laughs> you know, that that's really a bad, that's a bad situation to be in. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Grizzlies certainly don't have that. And I think everybody loves to play with job. I, I think the fact that this team is playing with an edge really really helps and it makes them more entertaining but you know and and you brought up the core four not to get too far off on a tangent here but the core four those were four of the most different people you could possibly imagine now you said stephen adams doesn't have much in common with a lot of these guys that's Mm -hmm. true but you look at jaw and jaron and melt and bane and these guys are all basically the same vintage and so now you're building a core uh, very like aged and like personalities, which is which is a, a direct departure from the core four because I mean Tony Allen and Mike Conley are like no not like each other at all. Marcus Paul right. and Zach Randolph, you know, they may be brothers from another mother, but they're very very different people. And that's what fascinated me about the core four is that those guys were so different. This group, whatever nickname we want to give them, you know, Grizz Next Gen. They're very, very similar in age and outlook, and I think they have turned what we could have perceived to be a weakness into a strength
1: absolutely and and, and I think what what it is it is and, and, and again, a difference from that core four the i i I'll, I'll say this today. the leader of that group during their best times was the head coach. He was the leader and, and, you know, he, Lionel Hollins had that hated to lose mentality that great players have. What's different now is you have a 22 year old who's your leader, who is your all out leader. And the guys are following him. I mean, it's amazing to hear Jaron Jackson talk about how great Jai is on a nightly basis, talk about it and his greatness. It's, it's amazing to hear Desmond Bain talk about Jaron Jackson being defensive player of the year, talking about Ja being a no doubt all-star. It's amazing to hear the rest of the team kind of follow suit and say that same thing. But then you have your leader, John Morant, who's throwing kudos to all of you. And when he has a nine turnover game takes the blame for the loss, despite the fact that he put up 30, I mean, he's, he's easy to follow. And then the way he leads by example, you know, Brevin says it all the time, and I think it's it's just not known enough. There is a reason for his flare and his flash in the highlights, and and Brevin and I have talked about it. He's he is he is a fundamentally flashy player. There's purpose to everything he does. Pete, you've talked about it a lot of times. The, the 360 thing against Chicago. There's purpose to what he does that makes it look spectacular but he's not just doing spectacular things he is impacting games and helping this team win and you have a team that's following and i think that's the greatest thing you your leader is a guy who has the quality that the superstars of all time have had that 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 desire and just kill mentality to win at all costs and hate losing more than you even enjoy winning He's got that, and, yeah. and so it's it's easy to follow.
0: Yeah, I, I have felt in order to be really, really great in the NBA or really in any athletic endeavor is you have to have the talent, obviously. You have to have the basketball IQ, the aptitude for the game mentally, but you also have that burning desire to be absolutely the best, and I see that in Ja in a way that I've never seen it in another Grizzly player. I mean, Ja to me is unquestionably the only alpha this team this franchise has ever had. They've had a lot of good players throughout the years, but they've never yeah. had that one guy who was, this is my team, get on my back, I, I will carry you across the finish line. And this is a group that wants to play with him. And I, and I think, too, a turning point in the season, and, and Fish, I'm interested in your perspective on this, I thought a turning point in the season, and I referenced it last night in Orlando, specifically with Jaron, was that when Ja went out, that's when things really started to change. I, I thought Jaron became more assertive. He understood that more was going to be required of him. And I felt early on this team might have been looking to Ja, and, and and it was Ja and four spectators. That's maybe a little bit of an overstatement, but we're seeing now a team that where Ja leads them, yes, but you've got guys that are really following along and, and being productive. And rather than looking to him and say, Okay, twelve, carry us over the finish line. you know we're we're just going to stand by and watch you do it. it. it Did you get a sense too that maybe the jaw injury and his absence was a turning point?
1: Yes, and every time I would ask Brevin how are they doing this? he would say because they're playing the way they have to play to win without jaw, and they're doing it well. You've got to find a way to do it, and I agree with you. I think prior to that, it was a lot of watching jaw like all of us just watching ja and, and I think they got caught doing that a lot. So without him, everybody had to step up. I'll, I'll never forget Taylor Jenkins telling you, telling all the guys, you know, don't try to do more, just do what you do better. And, and I think everybody on the roster did because they figured out what it took to win without Ja in the lineup. And then when Jaw came back, it all kind of fit well. I think Jaron took a huge step there. I think Jaron also took a big step when Steven Adams was out of the lineup and Jaron was forced to play all of the minutes at the five. Uh, his ability to score at the basket was incredible. Uh, his ability to be more talented, more long more physical than the guy that's trying to guard him was a mismatch. And, you know, as, as Brad Jones said, one of the nights, he bullied the San Antonio Spurs. So then I think what's happened since Steven Adams has come back, Jaron has still continued to find a way to be effective in the paint more than he was maybe prior to having all those minutes at the five, because now he's, he's getting those points. He's getting those rebounds he's still finding way to get in the paint and working with Steven Adams. The synergy with Steven Adams, with everybody on the team, is, is rather incredible. I think it just maybe took Jaron a little bit longer to figure it out, but now that they have figured it out, I mean, Jaron has become such a weapon in the painted area.
0: Well, it is all good for the Grizzlies right now, and uh, hopefully we will have you back uh, Tuesday night in some form or fashion, if not totally 100%. Thanks so much for the time, Fish. We appreciate the visit. Missed you, missed you on the trip. We missed you in New York. We certainly missed you at Disney World. But we will, uh, we'll be back with you Tuesday night.
1: Absolutely. Look forward to it. I'll shave even by (laughs) then.
0: Good, good. (laughs) We all appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Rob has been known to not shave for days on end if we do not have. A game he's got a nice little beard going uh when, when we did the zoom uh, we had the we had the camera on so yeah a little little bit of a uh, little bit of fuzz for fish to shave off uh, for Tuesday night thanks so much for joining us this has been episode 26 of season two of the Grizz Weekly Grind brought to you by Hoop City Basketball Club and by DraftKings Sportsbook I'm Pete Pranica thanks so much for listening thanks to Rob Fisher as well for joining in and we'll see you next
1: time